Okay, we're going to get started this evening. Um, and so if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, please turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, after a couple of weeks away, we are continuing tonight our study titled Praying with Paul, in which we seek to learn from Paul's example how to pray according to God's will and become people of prayer just as Christ our Lord asks of us. And as we enter into, uh, during these studies, Paul's prayer closet, as it were, and as we listen to him to uh, praying, we as believers are going to learn what to adore, what to appreciate, what to ask, what to admonish, and what to amen in our own prayers. And right now, we are in the middle of learning what to adore God for in prayer. In other words, what to simply praise Him for concerning who He is in Himself. This section of our study is taken from all the instances in Paul's prayers in which he says things like, blessed be or glory be to God in the New Testament. In all of those instances, Paul is simply praising God for his glory and his blessedness, for his character, adoring God for who he is in and of himself. Now, going through Paul's prayers chronologically, we've seen so far that we should adore God for being the God of all comfort, the God of all wonder, the God of all change, the God of all blessing, and the God of all power. Tonight we're going to learn that we should adore God in prayer because He is the God of all provision. The God of all provision. And this comes from Philippians chapter 4, verses 19 through 20, which reads, And my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So here Paul adores God for being the God of all provision. But before we dare venture any further tonight, let's ask the Lord to bless uh, both the teaching and receiving of his word tonight. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the grand privilege we have this evening to approach you in prayer. We thank you for the way that Christ has made by his death on the cross by which we can enter into your presence and come before your throne and receive mercy and grace given to us in our times of need. Father, we thank you so much for the righteousness that is ours through faith in Christ Jesus and we come boldly before you this evening as a church on the basis of that. Father, we pray that you would teach us tonight as we look at your word, you would teach us according to your truth how we ought to worship and adore you in prayer for being the God who takes care of all of our needs for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. I pray that you would watch over the words of my mouth, help me to speak only which is in accordance to your truth, and I pray that everything else would be forgotten and that your word would be planted deep within us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Paul's prayer of adoration is contained there, as you see there in verse 20, where Paul states, To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. There, Paul is calling on us to join him in prayer to God in magnifying and adoring the glory, the majesty, and the character of our God. That's why he says, To God be the glory. But... Something obviously motivates this prayer of adoration that Paul offers up here in verse 20. What is it exactly about God that causes Paul to adore him in verse 20? And the answer is found in verse 19. Look at it with me. Paul writes, And my God 
will supply every need of yours according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So here Paul declares God to be the God of all provision. Now the question we have to ask ourselves is, why does Paul communicate this truth about God at this time to the Philippian church? And the answer is because the Philippian church was a church that was greatly in need. Not only spiritually, but also physically. We study the book of Philippians, and there's all these issues that are going on, and you can recognize the need for humility was because there was the presence of pride, right? There was all these spiritual needs that the Philippian church had, but they also had physical needs as well. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 2 tells us that the churches of Macedonia, which was the area where Philippi would have been located back then, were extremely poor. Nevertheless, they had given, Paul says, out of their extreme poverty, a wealth of generosity, Paul says in verse 3, according to their means and even beyond their means. In fact, so great was the Philippians' support of the Apostle Paul that the middle-class Corinthians had no need to support him in his second missionary journey because all his ministry needs were being met. Even as Paul says here in Philippians 4, verse 18, if you were to look at that verse immediately before verse 19, he says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent. Now this was something that the Philippians did freely. It is something that they did uh, with joy and appreciation from their heart. But nevertheless, the fact remained that they had given generously out of their extreme poverty And that meant that this Philippian church was in need. And that's why Paul even told the Corinthians, there in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, that they should support uh, those in Macedonia in their time of need, just as the Philippians helped him in his. The Philippian church was a church that was in need. That's the first thing we need to understand. And Paul wanted to remind those believers who were in need that God would take care of them just as God had taken care of Paul himself. See, that's why Paul says here, and often we overlook it, Paul says, and my God will supply every need of yours. In other words, he's reminding the Philippians, hey, remember who my God is. Remember him. Your God is the same as mine. Therefore, your experience will be the same as mine also. And that's what and what was Paul's personal experience? His experience was God taking care of every single one of his needs. That's what Paul says back in verse 11 and following if you look at that. Paul writes, "Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. In other words, in Paul's own personal experience, God supplied all of Paul's spiritual needs. God sent, as we notice, and there's a very important lesson here that's not for the message tonight, God sent Paul through all these various circumstances, some pleasant, some not, in order to show Paul that ultimately what he needed most was Jesus Christ and his continual strength for every day and for every circumstance. 
and to know, to truly know your own personal need for Jesus Christ and His daily strength is the greatest need of your life, whether you recognize it or not. And God supplied that need for Paul by sending him through all of those circumstances. So at the end of the day, Paul could say, you know, whether, whether I have a lot or whether I have little, I am content because I have Christ. I am content because I have Christ. Paul, or God saw fit to take care of Paul's need. God supplied all of Paul's spiritual needs. But if we were to be honest, that's not a great encouragement to many of us, sadly, tonight, because you might be thinking something like this. Well, that's great. God supplies for all my spiritual needs. Um, but what if God only supplies for my spiritual needs and I die from starvation, right? <laughs> What's the point? Um, listen, God won't do that. God knows our frame that we are but dust. God knows that we have a body as well as a soul. And just as God provided for all of Paul's spiritual needs so that he was content no matter his state, God also provided for all of Paul's physical needs until his appointed time to enter into glory. He gave Paul all his physical needs. Because look at what he writes in verse 14 and following, right? We often ignore this as well. The context immediately before this. The very same God who was providing for Paul spiritually was also faithful in providing what Paul needed physically. Paul writes in verse 14, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble, he says. And you Philippians yourselves know that at the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Verse 18, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. In other words, God has not only supplied all of my spiritual needs, Paul says, he has supplied all of my physical needs as they came to me as well. And your God is my God, and therefore Philippians take heart, for your experience will be the same as mine. That is what Paul is saying here. My God will supply every need of yours. I think this is extremely an extremely helpful understanding because interpretations of this verse often bend towards two extremes, and you've probably heard both. On one hand, you have prosperity gospel name it and claim it pro- proponents, right? Who basically ignore that word needs and say that God will give you everything that you want, which is not what this verse says. But then on the other hand, you have people almost reacting to that interpretation and go too far on the other side, ignore the immediate context of verses 14 to 18 and say that this means that God will only supply your spiritual needs and not necessarily your physical ones. Both are incorrect. God is faithful in meeting the needs of his people, whether they be spiritual or whether they be physical, in order for them to carry out the mission and the ministry that God has appointed for you. As Paul himself says here, my God will supply what? Every need of yours. So just as Paul was faithfully provided for as he did the the Lord's work in ministry, so Paul had confidence that the Philippians would be faithful provided for as they did the Lord's work in generosity and giving. They didn't have to worry about food or clothing or any such thing, as Jesus said in Matthew 6.25. They just had to focus on God's kingdom and his righteousness and all those other things would be added to them. They could be confident that God was always supplying their needs, either physical or spiritual. That's just the type of God he is. 
He is the God of all provision. And notice the degree to which God provides for all of our needs. Paul writes this, My God will supply every need of yours to what extent? According to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Notice, Paul doesn't say out of His riches in Christ Jesus. Right? Out of His riches in glory. That would mean something entirely different, right? If a millionaire was to walk up to you and say, I just want you to know that I'm going to give you some money out of my millions. I mean, that could be anything from $1,000 to a penny, right? Out of his riches, right? But to someone walk up to you and say, I'm going to give you a gift according to my millions, in accordance with my millions, in agreement with my millions, then that means we're talking about something entirely different. We're talking about the giving of a gift that reflects the magnitude of the wealth of the one who gives it. And that's exactly what Paul is saying here. My God will supply every need of yours to what extent? According to God's own riches in glory. So I want you to consider tonight, believer, how rich is God's riches in glory? How rich is it? The answer is it is inestimable. It is indescribable. It is infinite. It is without limit. I mean, for goodness sakes, just thinking about the physical riches of heaven that's described, right? The asphalt of heaven is pure gold, if you're just only thinking at a physical level. But not to mention the spiritual riches of heaven. The eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.17. Glory enough, as Scripture teaches in the Old Testament, to fill heaven and earth and the entire universe we live in, though we have not yet seen the limits of it. There is no limit to God's riches in glory. Therefore, the lesson that Paul is teaching those Philippian believers in need is that there is no limit to the degree to which God can supply for each one of your true needs as well. He is the God of all provision. And Paul says, I know my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory. You have to say, well, why was he so confident? Why was he so confident that God would be so so, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word. Is it dispossessed? So, so uh, prone, that's the good word. So prone to, to be beneficially interested in those people that way. Why? Why would he be so confident? It's because all of God's riches in glory are found according to this verse where? In Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Is there any riches of God's glory that he withholds from his Son in heaven? No. No. The very glory of God belongs to the Son. It is shared among them. Therefore, ask yourself, (laughs) if God if the Son Himself enjoys these blessings from the Father to a limitless extent, then is there anything held back from you if there be nothing held back from Christ? The answer is no. No. All these riches and glory are found in Christ Jesus. That's why Paul could be so confident, by the way, that God would take care of those Christians in Philippi. It's because they were in Christ Jesus. As Ephesians 1.3 says this, that every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is ours where? In Christ Jesus. 
In every way, 1 Corinthians 1.5 says, we have been enriched in Him. And so Paul says with absolute confidence here, I know my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory because you are in Christ Jesus. And because you are in the Beloved One, I have no doubt that my God will supply every single one of your needs. No doubt at all. Because he who did not spare his own son, but graciously gave us up for graciously gave him up for us all, as Romans eight thirty two says, how will he not also with him graciously give us all good things? And that's just the type of God that he is for those who are in Christ Jesus. He is the God of all provision, and so that is why Paul says here in Philippians four verse twenty, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. In other words, because we are in Christ Jesus, this God of all provision, who has all supply for all our needs, is now, notice, not just the God and Father, but our God and Father. Our God and Father. See, often the New Testament speaks of God as being the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, just like we saw in the Sunday mornings in Colossians 1, verse 3. But here, in Philippians 4, verse 20, God reminds those needy believers in the Philippian church, including us, by the way, that God is our God and Father. God is not just some aloof, transcendent creator who is emotionally disconnected from us. In Christ, God is our Father in the family sense of the term. He is our Father, we are His children, and we are loved by Him in Christ, the Beloved One. Therefore, how much more should we have confidence that He will supply all of our needs? We are the children of God in Christ. Just as Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 11, Our Father who is in heaven will give us what we need when we ask Him. My God will supply every need of yours, every need, according to His riches, in glory, in Christ Jesus. God is always meeting your needs. The only question is, is He meeting a physical need or is He meeting a spiritual need? But He is always meeting a need because you are His own. Because you are His own. It's just the God that He is. The God of all provision. Therefore, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever Amen. Let this be so. Let him receive the glory that he is due for being the God who always supplies for every one of our needs in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. We're reminded tonight that this is one of the many reasons why we ought to adore God in prayer. It's because he is the God of all provision who in Christ always supplies every need of ours according to his infinite riches in glory. There is no limit to his supplying for your needs. So tonight, I encourage you to embrace this passage by faith and adore God for this. The prayer sheet tonight, before us tonight, reminds us that we stand in constant need. I mean, that's what this sheet recognizes. We stand in constant need, both physically and spiritually. But where we have constant need, God has constant supply of grace. And therefore, since we believe it, let's approach the Lord in prayer tonight and adore Him for who He is, the God of all 